Way down south where I was born They raised them good old greens and corn Sweet potatoes and black-eyed peas Green tomatoes and pecan trees Them greens It's the best they grow, them greens Alrighty, it's Monday morning and welcome to the Deep South. In fact, it's Deep South Dining at MPB Think Radio. Carol, how are you this morning? Well, it's a rainy day in Monday, but um, I am so happy to see my skillet buddy this morning. That's right. What's cooking? Woo-woo! Well, I guess crawfish Monica was the most exciting thing cooking at my house last week because, you know, it's jazz festival season That's right. and there are a lot of people that have crawfish monica on the brain uh, i saw several recipes popping up on our facebook page cooking and coping and it just kind of flung a craving on me yeah uh we're all festing in place as they say until the jazz fest returns live and in person and meanwhile the food component is something that all of us who live here are wired through dna to crave and and the crawfish monica is is one of those dishes well i was you know i was reading a little bit about it and uh it was started in 1981 by chef pierre hilsom and he named (laughs) it after his wife monica uh and he's the head of cajun kettle foods i I don't really know that i think it's a a food company that does like prepackaged uh cajun foods but they still keep the recipe the exact recipe secret however there are many many crawfish monica recipes on the internet well do share what recipe you used as you prepared it over the weekend i I will i think i'm going to send it to java today and see if he'll post it on our deep south dining uh MPB website, but you know, it's basically just a whole lot of butter, (laughs) garlic, heavy cream, lots of either Tony Sacherets or Slap Your Mama or some kind of Creole seasoning. Gotcha. Yeah. And a few crawfish tails. (laughs) And a whole (laughs) bunch of crawfish tails. And, you know, I know that the, you know, the original is on a farfalle or a boat or a bow tie pasta or a penne or something that's easier to eat at at jazz fest but i did it over fettuccine which i think a lot of people like to do and it was absolutely delicious that's great so i saw some armenian cooking was going on at your house (laughs) because you have armenians in residence i do i have the in-laws here from richmond virginia and so we We grilled lamb chops uh, over the weekend and had lamb chops throughout the weekend. And one of the side dishes, uh, Carol, that you and I were talking about that that my wife, Kara, loves to cook uh, is rice pilaf. And uh, pilaf, uh, there are many versions, many parts of the world cook a pilaf. And there are multiple spellings. One is the traditional P-I-L-A-F, and then another one is the P-I-L-A-U. But either way, uh, we lean toward the Armenian version, uh, which is, uh, you know, cooking rice with uh, cracked wheat, uh, the bulgur. And and we combine often the rice with vermicelli and or orzo, 
uh, with a stock. It's it's cooked with not so much water, but more about stock. And we use chicken stock. And often it is seasoned with mint, parsley and allspice. One traditional Armenian pilaf is made with those same noodles and rice mixture uh, in a stock. But they add raisins, almonds and allspice. So you know a bit about pilaf. Yes. I mean, you know, pilaf is really distinguished, like you said, by being a rice cooked in broth. And there are so many rice dishes in different cultures around the world. I mean, we have our own jambalaya close by and uh, paella. But I, I was thinking about you last week when I read a, a breaking story from India and it related, I mean, it was a very long story. It related an incident that happened in a town called uh, Bengaluru. I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that name right, but it's like Bengal Tiger with U-R-U. Hmm. And, you know, Indian weddings are just lavish events. They have wedding palaces over there. You know, the groom usually rides in on a white horse. There's just, you know, all, all of these big, you know, lamps and giant candlesticks and everything. So this couple was getting married on a Monday and getting ready for the reception on Sunday night. The family, the families got in a terrible fight about the type of biryani to be served. And Mm. biryani is, of course, the Indian rice dish. It was uh, started by the Muslim people of India many, many years ago. And the groom's family had ordered chicken biryani for the reception. And the bride's family wanted mutton biryani. So a big free-for-all ensued, and the groom's family smartly decided that, you know, the well-being of the bride was in question. So if such a small adjustment (laughs) could not be made, that she probably wasn't going to be a very good wife. And that was that. And that was that. The police said, the local police said they had never seen nor heard of a wedding canceled over biryani. But it makes me want to run out to Spice Avenue this evening uh, here in Jackson. I'm I'm sure there are a lot of other great Indian restaurants around, but have a little takeout biryani. Well, you know, speaking of food dust-ups, we had one of sorts on our Cooking and Coping Facebook page where one of our uh, great uh, compadres posted a list of condiments, Carol, And I'll let you pick up the story from there. Well, I believe the compadre was (coughs) Tim Pierce, who is one of our uh, best posters and a listener on Deep South Dining. And he published a story from Food and Wine magazine with a beautiful photograph of the best condiments that everybody should have. And it immediately started, you know, major, major controversy because Food and Wine had Hellman's mayonnaise, Malcolm, your favorite mayonnaise, and did not have Dukes. Oh, boy. We've, we've been having this mayo war ever since we started this show. And, yeah. Uh, and it goes on. And one other thing I'd like to throw in the mix just to really uh, <clears throat> to, to thicken the stir 
is that recently I stumbled into a Richmond, Virginia mayo that you and I haven't talked much about, and that's Sours. Well, Sours actually <clears throat> makes Dukes. So we need ah. to explore we need to explore that. But we they also make a Sours uh, a brand. And the reason I know that is that we were at Pickwick Lake two weeks ago, and my friend Tom went to the grocery store and came back with a Sours mayonnaise and we begin to have a fishing trip discussion about what mayonnaise and you know, i'm pretty you sure y'all were making tartar sauce with it among other things yes yeah. but we're i good. challenge you to bring some sours mayonnaise here to jackson and we will gather on your front porch for a mayo tasting but you know, the, that food and wine article had, had just some you know great things in it it had the best dijon mustard which i agree is maya m-a-i-l-l-e a french mustard if you can get it uh, kroger kroger carries it used to be really hard to find uh the red boat fish sauce to me is relatively new it's carried here in jackson at whole foods um but, you know, other than the mayonnaise, I thought it was a pretty good list. Yeah, yeah, same here. Now, and I, stand, I stand by the Dukes. I stand by Dukes. As you should. We should all stand by our mayonnaise. And I'm mm-hmm. going to order for both of us some of the Bee's Knees Spicy Honey. I've Sounds had some like of that. Something, oh, you have? Bring it on. Okay, I'll yeah. bring it on. Java, are you in? Would you like some Bee's Knees Spicy Honey? Uh, yes, ma'am. And I would like to tip my uh, ring for uh, Duke's mayonnaise, too. I was uh, brought on by you two, and I have some in our refrigerator right now. Yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with Duke's. It's a it's a good, you know, substitute if you don't have helmets. It's no big deal. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey. Duke's doesn't have sugar in it. Well, fine. And you get all that creamy, wonderful flavor. It, it also has more energy. lemon. It has more lemon juice. Yes, but either it does. way, last week on our show, we talked about African-American owned and operated barbecue joints. And my father-in-law, Rob Norris, and I went looking for uh, barbecue on Sunday. And we ended up at a place called Woodhouse Barbecue. And it's on McWillie Avenue. Uh, behind the old, what was the Hooters, what was Bennigan's, uh, you know, back there by Broad Street Bakery and uh, Lemuria Bookstore. And uh, we went in and, and had some some tip. I, I had a tip plate. Rob had a pulled pork and sausage, and we they only serve it to go. And again, this place is called Woodhouse Barbecue. It opens at 11 o'clock. But when we got there, uh, the pit master said that the ribs weren't ready yet. Um, so we went away and then came back and they still weren't ready. So we settled on the tips, the pool uh, and the sausage. But we, since you can't eat there, we drove around to the Cedars, Carol. Yes. And pulled into the backyard of the Cedars. And we had ourselves a tailgate barbecue on the property of the Cedars house. And it was mighty fine. Yeah. Malcolm, I, I do need to comment on something about the last week's show when we had Adrian Miller with his fabulous book, Black Smoke. I meant to, to text you. I thought that was a great show. And 
I thought you did a wonderful job. You were so passionate about that book. And obviously, it must have been on your mind when you went searching for the cue. Well, I, you know, I was, he explained why there weren't any Mississippi restaurants in there. And it was because of COVID and he couldn't cover the whole, you know, United States. But anyway, he was very curious about our Mississippi black owned barbecue joints. And there are many. And so anyway, I I really enjoy, I like Adrian a lot. He and I went on that Texas SFA barbecue field trip in 02. And he also was in attendance at the, you know, symposium where I presented and did the, the pressed po' boy on the ironing board, as you, as you know. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and he's a great guy and he's a great writer and I love both of his books. And I really encourage people to go to the MPB website or to your app and, you know, click on Deep South Dining and you can get all of our podcasts or you can just go wherever you get your podcast. And Java will probably jump in here with the name of, of that particular show. But I, I really enjoyed it. I just enjoyed listening to you and Adrian talk. Well, it was fun. I just got a text from Chico Harris, our North Mississippi correspondent, and he says that he purchases Sours simply because of the 1960s label that they use, that he's a visual guy. So now, Java, you've been on the road with Felder. Uh, You've been up to Tupelo. You've been over to Columbus, Mississippi, and you did some eating while you were on the road. Yeah, I just wanted to take a take a quick second to uh, shout out some of the restaurants we were able to visit because we have really been um, eating local when we go out um, with with Felder and the MPB Foundation. So when we were in Columbus, we ate at uh, excuse me, we ate at a place called Zachary's. Um, real, real kind of sports bar type of type of vibe, but it was a, a a good time. Got to meet the owner, who's a um a, a really cool guy. Also, um, we ate at the Blue Canoe in Tupelo and Kermit's Outlaw Kitchen in Tupelo, where <laughs> I was my able. Favorite. Oh, that's that's your that's your place, Malcolm. I love Kermit's, but yeah. he's rebranded. He's not Outlaw anymore. Okay, he changed, but he. Prior to COVID, he was Kermit's Outlaw Kitchen, and during his shutdown, he re-envisioned his joint and renamed it Kermit Soul Food. Okay, uh, okay, okay. Well, yeah, no, it's but cool. Anyway. But and and uh, you know, I had to get the mac and cheese, and it was a Benton, of course. It was Benton's bacon mac and cheese. Really? So just just put that in. Yeah, think about that real quick. So I just wanted to shout out those local restaurants because we've been having a good time on the road and uh, you know, eating local. Great. Appreciate that report. Carol and I are contemplating taking this here show that you're listening to out on the road as well. So we'll hopefully be doing that in the near future. Meanwhile, it's probably time to take a break because when we come back, we're going to talk about bagels, bagels and more bagels. With us today, when we return, are the owners and operators of Big River Bagels located in Clarksdale, home of the blues, Clarksdale, Mississippi, and recently was named the best bagel in the state of Mississippi. And owners Kate Gluckman and Marisol Doyle will join us when we return. Stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. 
You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Welcome back. It's Deep South Dining right here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Puckett and Java Chapman. Hello, everybody. How are we doing? Hi, Mal. This is the show all about the Southern, the culture of Southern flavor and other flavors as well. And the people who stir the pot, Carol. Yes, it is, Malcolm. And I'm pretty excited to have some exciting pot stirrers this morning on the show, having Mirasol and Kate. Bagel makers. Yeah, and not not from these part of the woods, bringing us good things. But before we go to the bagel topic, we got a caller we want to get on the line. We got Becky calling from Jackson. She wants to talk about mayo and who doesn't. Well, how are y'all this morning? I love your show. Thank you. What about Blue Play? I mean, we got this whole Louisiana-Mississippi thing going, and y'all did not even touch on my precious New Orleans Blue Plate mayonnaise. <laughs> well, I'm so happy that you're calling to fight for your mayonnaise because, you know, Blue Plate indeed uh, is, is a real favorite, mostly in Louisiana. But, you know, but here as well, but I, I, I think it says a lot about you that you're willing to pick up the phone and fight for Blue Plate. Right. Yes, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, it's jambalaya, not jambalaya, but uh, that's no big deal. I mean, I've been, I've been in Mississippi 20 years, and my Cajun friends from Iberia say, you sound like you're from Mississippi, Shaft. And uh, I say, yes, I've lived here longer than I have in Louisiana. I was born and raised in Louisiana, but um, 20 years there, 20 years in the Bay, which we have a new mayor, Malcolm White, um, because I came up here after Katrina, and then he moved down there and has a house there. And so I see him every time I go down to visit family in Bay St. Louis. I see him. It's like, Malcolm White, he's supposed to be in Jackson. (laughs) (laughs) I'm everywhere. But this is great. But, but we love this to share, and we love to share our opinions, especially on cooking, because my mother was part of the New Iberia Bayou Art Gallery cookbook, and before she passed away, um, I have all of my, her favorite recipes, crawfish etouffee, uh, sauce piquant, all of the good Cajun recipes um, in, in the cookbook. So I think it depends on where you're raised as to what type of mayo you like. You develop a a taste and a flavor for, like, certain rices. I like Mahatma Long Grain. I like jasmine, and I like basmati. But, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up on Mahatma. So I think it's how you're raised and what your taste has become, you know. Right. Well, I'm glad you're here to give a shout-out to Blue Plate. It does have more sugar in it than most mayonnaise. It gives it a little sweetness, which does make it a favorite for things like chicken salad. So um, get your blue plate on. Well, Becky, thanks so much for listening to our show. And we very much appreciate you taking the time to call in and share with us your experiences. And we will get you on sometime in the future. And we'll talk more about Cajun Creole cooking. But in the studio now, we have two guests from Clarksdale, Mississippi, the co-owners of Big River Bagels, Kate Gluckman and Marisol Doyle. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for having us. So we're going to talk about bagels, but because we're in the Mayo Wars, I'm curious if if you guys have favorites in the Mayo world. 
Well, we, we do fall on the Dukes team. We are a, a Dukes company. Um, <laughs> we use it for our um, bacon, arugula, and tomato bagel sandwich, as well as in our pimento cheese. So we're Dukes 100% of the way. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about your bagel company. Let's let's get started on how y'all came together on this big idea and uh, how that's going. Sure. Well, we um, actually started Big River Bagels in 2016 um, as a farmer's market stand um, in Cleveland, Mississippi, actually, just um, 45 minutes south of Clarksdale. And um, I had moved to Mississippi from Iowa um, with my husband, who's a professor at Delta State, and um, wanted to sort of get deeper into the community and, and put down a, a bit more roots. And Marisol and I um, had been friends for day one. Um, Marisol has so much experience managing restaurants, and I actually met her um, in Mosquito Burrito um, in Cleveland when I first moved down. And, and so uh, we decided to partner up and um, make some pretty awful bagels to start with. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> I second that. Yeah. So, um, so why tried, bagels? I mean, yeah. why bagels? It could have been anything, right? Yeah. Well, so um, I'm from New England originally, um, and bagels are a, a breakfast staple. And you know, every every town has a bagel shop, and and I, my dad's fa- side of the family is Jewish, and so we have a strong connection to the Jewish deli food and, and bagels um, or were just something I was missing. And, and we really saw sort of an, an opening in the Cleveland breakfast scene uh, for something that maybe wasn't as heavy or wasn't sit down and, and that people might enjoy. And so um, we, yeah, we started on the bagel journey. We actually started first by doing sourdough bagels and, and failed pretty miserably um, at that. Um, and, and, but learned from some really great people along the way. Um, Cole Ellis at the Delta Meat Market has been super helpful in, in helping us develop as bakers. Um, City Bagels over in Starkville, they taught us a lot. Um, and so we slowly over the years got better and developed our, our bagels um, and just really built a very strong following in Cleveland. Um, and uh, started when when COVID hit, we we started doing individual orders and, and um, would, you know, pop up downtown in Cleveland and, and open our trunk and hand out bagels. And um, and then just this past May, a year from from uh, now, we partnered with the Meraki Coffee Roasting Company here in Clarksdale, um, which I'd love to talk more about. But but they had a spot in the back, basically a storeroom, storage room that we converted into a commercial kitchen. And we've been baking out of there um, and have a little cafe business Friday, Saturday and Sunday and then doing a lot of farmers markets as well and just keep growing and making connections and uh, we we do a lot of driving um, bagels around the state um, trying to get people excited and interested and teaching people about bagels because it's not something that everyone's familiar with. Um, so we've had a lot of hesitant first time customers, but we're, we're happy to say they're coming back and enjoying our food. Now, Marisol, what is your uh, bagel history? 
Uh, non-existent. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so did you grow up in a bagel culture? I, I grew up in Mexico and I grew up with sweet bread. Sounds like we had a little uh, technical issue there. Kate, do you know what where Marisol was going with that? I think she's um, back. Yeah, oh, Marisol. Sorry, there my, you go. My internet is a little spotty. Um, yes, um, I grew up in Mexico with pandulce uh, and empanadas and tacos for breakfast. Absolutely no bagels. So <laughs> I learned. I learned a lot um, over the past few days, and we just uh, kept, kept learning and growing. But you had been in the restaurant business before, right, Marisol? Yes. Um, yes, I uh, started at Pejo's when I moved uh, to Cleveland and uh, managed Mosquito Burrito after that. And I worked with uh, Cole at Meat Market and um, Bar Fontaine. So, yeah, I've been a waitress, customer service. It's uh, something that uh, I feel like um good at and the uh, that's where my experience uh, comes from. Right. Well, I'd, I'd like to, to comment about, you know, hearing you talk about the places like Mosquito Burrito and Hey Joe's and the fact that both of y'all moved to Cleveland. Uh, you really have helped create this artistic community, you and your spouses in the Delta. Uh, Kate, I know your spouse, Michael Stanley, is a sculptor, and Marisol Rory Doyle is a very well-known and getting to be more well-known photographer, and thank you all for adding so much to the Delta community. I mean, you've really made it your own and, you know, being a part of that whole movement. Thanks. I mean, I think we um, both recognize that the Delta is a really special place and we feel honored to be part of these communities. There's such a rich culture already in place. And, and we're, like you said, sort of figuring out where we can fit in and, and um, make it better. Um, but, you know, at least for me growing up in New England, you know, I had some preconceived notions about what Mississippi was. Um, and I've come down to learn, you know, all about the richness and, and all about the opportunity. And I really do feel like this is a special place, not only to live, but to run a business and that local communities really support local businesses um, and are proud of them. Um, and, and so we're really proud to, to be in Clarksdale. Um, we just uh, experienced our first juke joint and, and I'm glad to say we survived. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> That's you know, the we, juke joint festival. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, I think Malcolm and I were both at the, at the first juke joint festival and yeah. it is wonderful to see what that has turned into. So, so tell us a little bit about the role you played in it. Yeah, well, we we were just open for business and um, looking to serve the folks that came to town to hear all the amazing blues musicians and, and to see the art. There was a visual art component going on as well. Um, but if you've ever visited Clarksdale, the city itself is a piece of art. You know, we have all these murals around downtown um, and there was music out on the street. 
And, you know, we, we usually get a lot of international visitors for Duke Joint. Obviously, that's not happening uh, this year, but we had so much local um, support, folks out um, from Clarksdale itself, but also just all around Mississippi and, and the, the states near us, Texas, Arkansas. I saw a Georgia plate, too. Um, and yeah, we, we were working with the Meraki Coffee Roasting Fellows. Um, so Meraki is a workforce development program for, for youth here in Clarksdale. And so they learn professional skills while also learning the skills of customer service, being um, coffee roasting, being a barista. Um, and they do that for 16 weeks. Um, and then they move on to an internship in, in the profession of their choice. Um, and we, Marisol and I, get to interact with them every day. Uh, they're sort of the front of house staff for us, um, but we pull them into the kitchen. They, they help make us make bagels with us. Um, and it's just a tremendous program that's really helping young folks who are passionate and driven to get that their foot in the door. And um, we're really proud to partner with them um, in this work and to get to see the fellows grow. So Marisol, you must have taught a lot of kids about bagels. <laughs> um, well, yes, uh, we, um, it's very interesting because, uh, I mean, not only kids, but also grownups and uh, a lot of people in Cleveland uh, didn't know about bagels and it was very fun to introduce them to our different flavors uh, about uh, what an everything bagel was. Um, with all the seasonings, uh, it, it's been it's been great. And working with Kate, uh, we get along so well, and it's been a great uh, adventure. <laughs> you know, Carol, when Kate was talking about driving around the Delta with a carload of bagels, I could not help but remember the original ambassador of the bagel to North Mississippi was. Ronzo, Ron Shapiro at the Hoka. Ron would go and get bagels in St. Louis and Memphis, and he would drive them down to Mississippi and, and pontif pontificate about the value and, you know, the importance of the bagel. And he would serve them at the Hoka, too. But he was very passionate about the bagel in the earliest of, of days. So in a way, you sort of have a uh, an iconic uh, forerunner and uh Ron Shapiro. And I see that you sell at the Oxford Farmers Market and other farmers market markets. I want, want to talk about uh, how you do at the farmers markets. But one thing that really caught my attention about your business is that you've partnered with other small businesses that that you're going to BTC Grocery in Water Valley and you've partnered with Home Place Pastures in Como. So talk a little bit about your philosophy behind that and how it's working out. I think we really view ourselves as uh, one element in a local food system and that we, the success of our business can create success for other businesses and, and that we're all sort of working together. Together. Um, and so we are super proud to partner with these businesses that we um, see so much alignment with their mission um, and, and how they view food. And, and we take a really holistic 
view on food, understanding that not only does it play into the environmental ecosystem, it plays into the economic ecosystem. And in the Delta, we need to be generating, um, you know, uh, increases in in sort of in community wealth. We need to be uh, viewing our businesses um, as a community asset. And so when we get a chance to partner with local folks, who are doing the same thing, who are creative, who are passionate about Mississippi, about the land, um, about the future, um, then then we get really excited. And so, um, you know, we have some local farmers uh, here in Clarksdale that we get, we use their greens, home place pastures you mentioned, um, that is uh, raising pork and, and uh, beef in a really environmentally uh, important way. Um, we, we just want to keep, doing that and keep growing. Um, And that's like one of my favorite parts of this business is just getting to connect with those folks who are, who are doing um, great work as well. Um, And, and we see just a a really smart business um, strategy in partnering with local grocery stores um, to get our, our bagels on the shelf and our cream cheese in their fridge. And um, BTC is, is one of them, um, collective seed and supply here in Clarksdale. Um, and we want to continue to, to improve um, and, and get more of those partners too. Okay, Malcolm, uh, yeah. take it away, away about the creative co- economy, or do we need <laughs> to go on a break first? Yeah, we're going to take a break, and we come back. We'll talk about the creative economy, because that's what these uh, creative ladies are talking about. We'll also continue talking uh, with Kate Glutman and Marisol Doyle about the Big River Bagels in Clarksdale, Mississippi. So stay tuned. If I don't love you, baby Rich ain't grocery Eggs ain't poultry And Mona Lisa was a man Sing it, Carol. Sing it, girl. (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean to sing out loud. I'm so sorry, Java. Yeah, you do that from time to time, and Java and I love it. (laughs) Welcome back to Deep South Dining. Carol Puckett, Malcolm White, Java Chapman. And our special guests today, Kate Glutman and Marisol Doyle of Big River Bagels in Clarksdale, Mississippi. But before we continue the bagel conversation, where here at Deep South Dining, we're not afraid to take on the big, complicated issues of our time, like bagels are the new biscuit. It doesn't scare <laughs> us at all. Let's go to the phone. Sue from Beaumont. How are you, Sue? Good morning. How y'all doing? <laughs> Good. Well, bagels are not one of my favorite things, but I wanted to go back to the mayonnaise issue. And uh, <laughs> my favorite thing, okay, gas, but get ready to faint. I love Miracle Whip. So everybody says it's not really a mayonnaise. I, I just like the tang of it. The, it's just something about Miracle Whip I love. And, I, and there's a lot of us out there, too. Boo. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you like what you like. What else is happening, Sue? You good? Yes, sir. Doing fine. Thank you. Y'all get any bad weather down there yesterday? Last night, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But all's well? Yeah, all's, all is well today. I, I didn't mean to bother y'all, but... Uh, <laughs> no, you're not bothering us at all. We love it when you call. Every, every we time on Facebook, some, some, some communication comes around about mayonnaise. There's a lot of us uh, Miracle Whip lovers out there. Yeah, and yeah, Miracle Whip really became popular, I believe, around uh, around World War II, 
and it's not actually categorized as a mayonnaise right. uh, because of, of the amount of, of, of vegetable oil. And it's, you know, the FDA requires that 65% of mayonnaise be vegetable oil. So it's actually classified as a salad dressing, uh, but it's a, it's a spicy salad dressing. It's half the ca- calories of mayonnaise. And people, you know, do, love, love, love it. It has, it has a tang it, to it. Yes, it has a tang, different spicy ingredients. And, you know, people... You think it's a mayonnaise, which you know, which that is great. But you are one of millions of Miracle Whip lovers. And again, let me say, I'm so happy that you called in to defend your mayonnaise. But thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sue. Thanks for listening and always giving us a shout and keeping us uh, uh, in the know on what's going on in your world in and around Beaumont, Mississippi. All right. We were taught prior to the mayonnaise uh, conversation, we were talking about bagels. And, you know, what I'd like uh, either Kate or uh, Marisol, with one of y'all, would just tell us what are the basic ingredients of a bagel? I mean, where do you start? What's in it? <laughs> They're pointing at each other. <laughs> Marisol? Well, I'll start because um, okay. I, I um, am in charge of, of the dough making in, in our little team. Um, so mostly it's flour, um, a high gluten flour. Um, and then we add salt. Um, we add a little bit of sweetness with some brown sugar, um, lots of water, yeast, of course. But the most important ingredient is malt. And that's a traditional bagel ingredient that gives it um, sort of that that deeper kind of um, savory, um, uh, sort of extra yeasty flavor. Um, And so and that's it. That's our that's our base dough. Um, We don't put any dough conditioners in. It's just it's all sort of that those natural ingredients. and we mix it up um, real, um, real good. And we form the, the bagels by hand. Mm. Um, and then we do, um, um, we put them in the cooler um, for almost 48 hours. Um, okay. So it's called a cold ferment. And so that, that long sort of period of rest and development really helps to develop the flavor. Um, and then we boil them. And a bagel is not a bagel unless it is boiled. Don't now, how do you boil a, a piece of dough? Yeah, so uh, there's a firmness to our dough. So we're able to pick it up and, and to handle it. Um, and we have a big kettle, an industrial kettle. Um, and we um, just use uh, plain water. Other folks um, put malt in the water. They might put honey. They might put baking soda. They There's a lot of different different sort of techniques there, but good old Mississippi water goes in our kettle. Um, and we boil it just just for a couple seconds, maybe 90 seconds at most, um, and stirring it around. Um, and then we bake, then we top it if it's a if it's a everything or a sesame bagel. Uh, and then we bake them. And so I guess the flair uh, of a bagel comes afterwards where the uh, seasoning the seeds whatever all of those 
components are that get attached to it? Is that before you bake it or as it's baking or afterwards? Um, so we, before, so it comes sort of out of the kettle and it's wet and that's when we mm. apply the toppings. Um, gotcha. the wetness helps them stack. Um, and, um, you know, traditionally if it's a wood fire or even, um, in, in some bigger, um, uh, ovens, they have boards, they have planks that they put bagels down and they put them down actually upside down. We're a little bit limited with our space. And so we have sort of a conventional oven, um, but they would flip them over. And so the, the toppings wouldn't burn. Um, and so, yeah, but everything goes on before. Um, and, and we, I think, people who are traditionalists, bagel traditionalists would maybe scoff at us because we put cheese and jalapenos and other toppings that might not typically go on a bagel um, on ours. Um, and, um, but it all happens before the baking. Gotcha. So what are the most popular flavors that you sell? I would um, say everything. Yeah. Either plain or everything. Safe. So when you go to farmers market or markets, are you just selling the plain bagels or are you doing your your sandwiches? Um, we just at the farmers market, we just bring our bagels um, in uh, at some markets. We bring also our cream cheese. But um, at the at Meraki at the cafe, um, we have a menu, a breakfast and lunch menu. Um, and we actually name our sandwiches, uh, people that we know or our spouses do, like one of the favorite ones are the Rowdy Doyle, that's <laughs> named after, <laughs> named after my husband. Um, uh, we also have the Stanley, uh, for Kate's husband, it's a chorizo, egg and cheese. Um, we have the Sonoran, it's, uh, the one, uh. That is named after where I'm from. It has avocado, uh, roasted poblano peppers, um, chorizo, pepper jack cheese. Um, and we have the Vermonter uh, named after Kate. Um, that's more of a lunch uh, sandwich with, uh, it's a turkey sandwich with um, apples, cheddar cheese, um, onion jam, arugula, and uh, honey mustard. Um, the, I would, but I would say either the Rowdy Doyle or the Ellis after Paul Ellis. <laughs> it's a uh, bacon, egg, and cheese. Um, it, those, those are the most popular ones. Yeah. Oh, we're big fans of Cole Ellis too, <laughs> and we're fans of Rory Doyle and Mike Stanley. So we'll, you know, we'll have to uh, try. There are three of us. We'll, we'll, yeah, try those three. And I really love the description, Marisol, that you just. Uh, shared with us because it shows how you've taken uh, let's call it a Yankee bagel uh, a Jewish if you would a Jewish traditional food brought it to the Mississippi Delta and then combined your Mexican heritage and flavors and ingredients I mean five years ago who would have thought that it was humanly possible to get a chorizo Poblano, roasted poblano bagel in Clarksdale, Mississippi. I mean, this is remarkable. Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> it does sound <laughs> it does sound a little uh, crazy. But um, uh, yeah, I 
I want to have people that ask me if it's good. I always tell them, I'm not going to sell you something that I don't like. So everything that we tried, everything um, that we serve is something that we tested. It's something that we tried and we like and we love. So, um, yeah, we're we're very proud of our menu and very proud of our product and uh, very um, um, happy and that the community they embraced us. Well, I want to talk about bagel chips now. I all of my life have not been a huge bagel eater. But when I discovered chips, I became a devotee of bagel (laughs) chips. And I put them, I eat them with pimento cheese. I put them, I use them like croutons. I put them in soup. I float them in my salad. I mean, in my soups, I put them in my salads. I just adore bagel chips. Malcolm, when you have their bagel chips, which I have had, at our friend Nan Sanders' house. It's going to rock your world and maybe even change your life. I love it. Bring it on. And uh, where could I find said bagel chips? So in Cleveland, um, there's a store called Our Delta Table. And um, that's uh, the main place in Cleveland where you can find them. Um, We are going to try to bring them with us to our farmer's markets. Um, and they're always for sale throughout Meraki. Gotcha. That's great. Now, did did I understand that you make your own cream cheese? Did, did it, is that what you said? You blend it? So we flavor, yes. We, we, we flavor our cream cheese. Um, we do a very popular honey pecan uh, cream cheese. We do the veggie. Um, um, blueberry, um, we have a very, uh, popular, very, very berry with all the berries in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, honey, vanilla, um, dill pickle, uh, spicy dill pickle, um, wow. too. Um, jalapeno cheddar, bacon, maple. I mean, we try everything. <laughs> Kate, where, what town are you from in Vermont? I've traveled up there a bit. It's a beautiful, beautiful state. Yeah, I'm from the Northeast corner. So locals up there call it the Northeast Kingdom. Um, It's a tiny town uh, called Glover, Vermont. Um, And growing up there, I I think my understanding of food ecosystems was really developed up there because it's an agricultural community. There's a lot of actually similarities to the Delta too. Um, There's poverty um, in in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, Um, but just a lot of local farms, um, a lot of creameries and and dairies making cheeses and ice cream. Um, There's a lot of microbreweries. So Hill Farms Brewery is one of the best breweries in in the country is is located just down the road from where I live. So I really got to sort of understand how people can develop creative food um, businesses and then work together um, through there. So I love going to visit every summer and just eating and eating and eating and eating. (laughs) And it's the home of Ben and Jerry's. And it's the home of Ben and Jerry's. And, and when I would go up there, I would eat all these. I drink the milk, which is remarkable, and eat the ice cream and use the dairy part. And I used to refer to it as the happy cows of Vermont. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and Marisol will will tease me because I have I have this thing about cabbage 
cheddar cheese and it's so sharp and so dry and it, and we use it a lot um with our bagels um and in all of our sandwiches and i like really sort of cringe at orange cheese like yeah. i'm like cheese is white like that's and so you know i've had to get over that um a little bit but we do put a lot of cabot cheddar in our pimento cheese and on our sandwiches and so i i think you hit it on the head malcolm when when you talked about us bringing sort of our backgrounds to this to our business and um in the ingredients that we choose and in the way we develop our menu we are hoping that that reflects um who we are and and like the power of community too because who would have thought you know a, a kid from New England and a kid from Mexico would meet in Mississippi and, and make bagels. Um, Here, we don't think that much of it because remarkable is the norm, but we are so glad that y'all met and we are so glad that you are here. And Malcolm, I, I have an invitation for you. I actually have a Michael Stanley sculpture at Go Away in Edwards. I also have a copy of Delta Hill Riders by Marisol's husband, Rory Doyle, about African-American cowboys in Mississippi. And I say that they send us some bagels and bagel chips, and we have a picnic by the Michael Stanley sculpture in Reed Delta Hill Riders. <laughs> I'm in. I know we've got some callers, Job. Is it too late to take them? Okay. Well, thanks, ladies. We very much appreciate you being here. We've run out of time. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Stink Radio. We are funded by generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show was produced by Java Chapman. My co-host, Carol Puckett, and our very special guests, Kate Luckman and Marisol Doyle. I'm Malcolm White. Please stay tuned now for Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey, followed by Southern Remedy at 11. Please join us every Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard only on MBB Think Radio.